You are about to embark on a journey. A journey where your worst fears become reality. A journey where hell is not below us, but amongst us. Don't be afraid, relax, and take a seat while I open the box of horrors. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I have a special treat for you today, but first let me just say welcome back to Box of Horrors. My name is Israel Johnson, and I'm your host. Today we will be reading a story by a 19th century French author by the name of Guy de Maupassant. He wrote the story that I'm about to read. It's titled was it a dream? It's about a man who spends all of his spare time mourning over his lover's grave. Now again, I haven't read this story, and we're going to see how that goes this time, but I have a good feeling about this one, so let's see what happens, and let's jump right in. I loved her madly. Why does one love? Why does one love? How strange it is to see but one being in the world, to have but one thought in one's mind, one desire in the heart, and one name on the lips. A name that comes up continually, rising from the depths of the soul, like water in a spring, and which one repeats over and over again, and murmurs, ceaselessly everywhere like a prayer i am not going to tell you our story love is always the same i met her and loved her that is all and for a whole year i lived in her tenderness her caresses in her arms hung on her words and looks loved her dresses was so completely wrapped up bound imprisoned in everything that pertained to her that I no longer knew whether it was day or night, if I was dead or alive, on this old earth of ours or elsewhere. And then she died. How? I do not know. I no longer know. But one evening she came home wet, for it was raining heavily, and the next day she coughed. And she coughed for about a week and took to her bed. What happened, I do not remember now, but doctors came, wrote prescriptions, and went away. Medicines were brought, and a woman made her drink them. Her hands were hot, her forehead was burning, and her eyes bright and sad. When I spoke to her, she answered me, but I do not remember what we said. I have forgotten everything, everything. She died, and I very well remember her little faint sigh, her laugh. The nurse said, Ah, and I understood. I understood. I knew nothing more. Nothing. I saw a priest who said, Your sweetheart. And it seemed to me as if he were insulting her. As she was dead, nobody had the right to know our relationship. And I turned him out. Another came who was very kind and tender, and I shed tears when he spoke to me about her. They consulted me about the funeral, 
but I do not remember anything that they said. Though I distinctively recall the coffin and the strokes of the hammer as they nailed her down in it. Oh God, God. She was buried, buried. She, in that hole. Some people came, female friends. I made my escape and ran away. I ran, and then I walked through the streets and finally went home. The next day, I started on a journey. Yesterday, I returned to Paris, and when I saw my room again, our room, our bed, our furniture, everything that remains of the life of a human being after death, I was seized by such a violent recurrence of grief that I came very near opening the window and throwing myself out into the street. As I could no longer remain in the midst of these things, between these walls which had enclosed and sheltered her, and which retained a thousand atoms of her, of her skin, and of her breath, in their impeccable crevices, I took up my hat to make my escape, and just as I reached the door, I passed the large glass in the hall, which she had put there so that she could look at herself every day from head to foot as she went out to see if her toilet was in order and was correct and pretty from her little boots to her hat. And I stopped short in front of that looking glass in which she had so often been reflected, so often, so often that it also must have retained her reflection. I was standing there, trembling, with my eyes fixed on the glass, on the flat, profound, empty glass, which had contained her entirely, and had possessed her as much as I had, as my passionate looks had. I felt as if I loved that glass. I touched it. It was cold. Oh, the recollection. Sorrowful. Mirror. Burning mirror. Live mirror horrible mirror, which makes us suffer such torments. Happy are the men whose hearts is like a mirror, where images glide and pass away, that forgets all it has contained, reflected, all that have basked in its love and affection. But I, how I suffer. I went out and, without knowing it, without wishing it, walked to the cemetery. I found her simple grave, a white marble cross with those few words, she loved, was beloved, and died. She was there, beneath the ground, decomposed. How horrible, I sobbed with my forehead to the ground. I remained there a long time, a long time. Then I saw that it was getting dark in a strange mad wish. The desire of despairing love seized me. I wished to pass the night, the last night, in weeping on her grave. But I should be seen and driven out. How was I to manage? I was cunning, so I got up and began to roam about the city of the dead. I walked and walked. How small this city is in comparison with the other. The city in which we live, and yet, how much more numerous the dead are than the living. We require high houses, wide streets, and much room for the four generations who see the daylight 
at the same time. Drink water from the same spring, wine from the same vines, and eat the bread from the plains. And for all the generations of the dead, for all the latter of humanity that had descended to us, there is scarcely anything, only a field, scarcely anything. The earth takes them back, oblivion, Ephesus them, adieu. At the end of this cemetery, I suddenly perceive the abandoned cemetery where the dead have long since blended with the soil, where the crosses themselves decay, where the last comers will be put tomorrow. It is full of untended roses, of robust dark cypress trees, a sad and beautiful garden nourished on human flesh. I was alone, perfectly alone. I hid in a leafy tree and concealed myself completely among the thick somber branches and waited clinging to the trunk as a shipwrecked man does to a plank. When it was quite dark, I left my refuge and began to walk softly, slowly, noiselessly, through the ground full of dead people, and I wandered about for a long time, but could not find her again. I went on with extended arms, knocking against the tombs, with my hands, my feet, my knees, my chest, even with my head, without being able to find her. I touched and felt about like a blind man groping his way. I felt the stones, the crosses, the iron railings, the metal wreaths, and the wreaths of faded flowers. I read the names with my fingers by passing them over the letters. What a night. What a night. I could not find her again. There was no moon. What a night. I was afraid. Horribly afraid in these narrow paths between two rows of graves. 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 Nothing but graves. On my right, on my left, in front of me, around me, everywhere there were graves. I sat down on one of them, for I could not walk any longer. My knees were so weak. I could hear my heart beat, and I could hear something else as well. What? A confused, nameless noise. Was the noise in my head in the impenetrable night, or beneath the mysterious earth? The earth sown with human corpses. I looked about me, but I cannot say how long I remained there. I was paralyzed with terror, drunk with fright, ready to shout out, ready to die. Suddenly it seemed to me as if the slab of marble on which I was sitting was moving. Certainly it was moving, as if it were being raised. With the bound, I sprang up on the neighboring tomb, and I saw, yes, I distinctively saw, the stone which I had just left standing upright, and the dead person appeared, a naked skeleton that was pushing the stone back with its bent back. I saw it clearly, although the night was dark, on the cross. I read, Here lies Jacquois Oblavant, who died at the age of 51. He loved his family, was kind and honorable, and died in the, in the peace of the Lord. The dead man also read what was inscribed on his tombstone. Then he picked up a stone off the path, a little pointed stone, and began to scrape the letters carefully.
he slowly effed them all together, and with the hollows of his eyes, he looked at the places where they had been engraved, and with the tip of the bone that had been his forefinger, he wrote in luminous letters, like those lines which one traces on the walls with the tip of a lucifer match. Here reposes Jacques Oblavant, who died at the age of 51. He hastened his father's death by his unkindness. As he wished to inherit his fortune, he tortured his wife, tormented his children, deceived his neighbors, robbed everyone he could, and died wretched. When he had finished writing, the dead man stood motionless, looking at his work, and on turning round I saw that all the graves were open, that all the dead bodies had emerged from them, and that all had effaced the lies inscribed on the gravestones by their relations, and had substituted the truth instead. And I saw that all had been the tormentors of their neighbors, malicious, dishonest, hypocrites, liars, rogues, calumniators, envious, that they had stolen, deceived, performed every disgraceful, every abominable action. These good fathers, these faithful wives, these devoted sons, these chaste young girls, these honest tradesmen, these men and women who were called irreproachable, and they were all writing at the same time on the threshold of their eternal abode, the truth, the cruel, terrible, and holy truth, which everyone in earth is ignorant of, or pretends to ignore. I thought that she also must have written something on her tombstone, and now running without any fear among the half-open coffins, among the corpses and skeletons, I went toward her. Sure that I should find her immediately. I recognized her at once, without seeing her face, which was covered by the winding sheet and on the marble cross, where shortly before I had read, she loved, was beloved, and died. I now read, having gone out one day in order to deceive her lover, she caught cold in the rain and died. It appears that they found me at daybreak, lying on the grave unconscious. Well, that was a really cool story. I liked that one a lot. It's very interesting how it went ahead and got straight to the story and it went straight into the uh, plot twist too, so... It's one of my favorite things about stories is when they get right to the point and then it has that little kind of like a cliffhanger ending, but not a cliffhanger at the same time. So I like that one a lot. That was really cool. Again, that was from the 19th century author, Gudapu, or excuse me, let me see if I can say that a little bit better. <laughs> Good de Mossant. Okay. Good de Mossant. All right. The story was called Was It a Dream? And that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed hearing that story. 
as much as I did reading it for the first time. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week on Box of Horrors. Take care.